0: Hello and welcome back to the Innovate for Impact podcast. I'm Dan Bentley and I'm joined by Tracy Newman. Today, what we're going to talk to you about is our self-assessment that we've had now out in the sector for quite some time. We've had hundreds of leaders from not-for-profits and social enterprises complete this thing. And it basically gives them back a, a score around how innovative their organization is against some of the, like the best practice things that we know organizations that are having a huge impact are doing. There's four different parts to the self-assessment. And what we're going to share with you today is the area that's the biggest opportunity for organizations across the sector.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been really exciting since we had this self-assessment out. We've had, you know, hundreds of leaders complete it. And what's particularly good is it does give each of those individuals some areas that they can work on specific to their organization. But it's also been really beneficial because we've then been able to have a look at that at an aggregate level and we're now able to share some of that information back and give everybody who's listening some ideas of what they might want to do within their organization.
0: Yeah. And the reason we created this thing, geez, it's probably a couple of years ago now, I reckon, was because you know, we're obviously consultants in this space and people would quite often say to us, I just don't know where to get started. You know, there's just so many things I could potentially work on. And so we created this as a tool that you could sort of understand where do you sit against organizations that are doing this stuff really well. And we've gathered these questions and the whole framework from our years and years of working with some of the best organizations in this in this sector. That's what we're going to share with you today. We're not going to go through all the different areas, but there is one in particular that organizations in this space are struggling with. And that's the one we're going to talk to you about today. We feel that if more organizations put a bit more resource and a bit more focus into this area, then we'd potentially see a little bit more innovation.
1: Because this particular area really is like the, the systems, the support and the structures that really enable people to be more creative and more innovative and help them to be able to bring that into the organization and you know, therefore help the entire organization to perform better.
0: Yeah, that's it. So the area that we're going to talk about, it's called Empowered People. And there are five questions that make up this particular part. And like we said, most organizations are answering no to these questions let's deep dive into them now, Trace, and let's share with these lovely people what those areas are. And let's sort of add a little bit of extra info and context to what we mean when we ask these questions and why we're asking these particular ones. Do you have the list there? Do you want to shoot off with the first one?
1: The first one, do you have an innovation budget that your people can use to pursue new ideas? We actually think this is so important. We've done an entire dedicated podcast on why this is so important. So we'll link that in the show notes, but essentially it does two things one it gives people an opportunity to carry out experiments and safely try new things but also it sends a really strong message within the organization about how important innovation really is you can't say to people well well, we want you to make positive change but then give it no resources at all and have them see that you're really serious about that
0: yeah that's so true and the only other one i'd probably add on top of those two as well is is that um when we do budget setting. It's quite often on you know operational expenses and things like that. Sometimes if we don't know what we're going to create, then we don't have some money there left aside to pursue that thing. And so we just found that whilst a lot of organizations are using just kind of standard budget setting techniques, they're always kind of getting stuck when they then have an innovation that they wanted to pursue or they wanted to do something different they just didn't have any funds there to be able to do that so by having that as a line item and actually saying look we're going to put this x amount of money aside every year for those things that we know that are going to be new and we can then dip into that to be able to use that money to be able to then fund those things. And it doesn't have to be a lot, you know. We're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars or anything like that. Some organizations that we've seen do this really well can be as little as, you know, 40000 $50,000. And they have them as little grants and they just sort of divvy them up based off, you know, good ideas or opportunities that they see come up throughout the year or whatever that might look like. Other organizations got much bigger budgets than that too, but it is not so much about the size of the budget. It's about how you use it.
1: Nice work. Yes. (laughs)
0: Next one is all about, do you provide your people with training on innovation methodologies?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes people mistakenly put people into categories like they're innovative, they're not innovative, they're creative, they're not creative. And sometimes we even do that with ourselves. Like, oh, I'm not a very creative person or I'm not really good with ideas. But a lot of these are actually learned techniques. You know, they're not necessarily born being innovative, there's a whole series of tools, methods, and techniques that actually unlock that innovation capability that that really is within everybody.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Look, we're seeing this a bit at the moment with like co-design and, you know, especially in the aged care space, they need to be using this. And so some organizations aren't actually investing in the capability for their people. So they're just going out and saying, go out and co-design with people. And you're getting all sorts of different things happening, some good, don't get me wrong, you know, but some really not that effective and some of them definitely not even close to being what you'd consider co-design. And that's what happens when you don't invest in this. When you're just giving directives and you're saying, go and do this thing and people don't know what to do, you're going to get very different results. You're probably not going to get what you're looking for. That's also not a great experience as well to be in that situation where somebody says, go and do something that you don't know how to do. You know, it's quite anxiety inducing for a lot of people and you're not really setting people up for success. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to set our people up for success. So We often find that capability is one of the first starting points because if you know that people have got the ability to do it, then then it's also then about going, well, if they're still not doing it and we're still not able to get it off the ground, what's still in their way? But if they don't even have the skills and know how to do it, it's really hard to pinpoint what else do we need to help people with.
1: And that's where you get some of that resistance from people. And it's not necessarily that they're not wanting to do it, it's that they don't feel like they have the capability. So therefore you'll hear all of the, you know, inadverted commas reasons why that won't work in your organization. People won't have time, your community that you want to work with won't be interested, you know, all of those sort of reasons come to the forefront. But often they're just sort of papered over the top of, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't feel confident enough to, to be able to do it. So I'm just going to find whatever reason possible not to do it.
0: Yeah, that's so true. The thing is as well, right? Anyone that works in this space deeply cares about outcomes. We're not here to tick boxes. The thing is, though, is that when people don't truly understand what good looks like, which is what you normally get when you train them in something, that they quite often end up just ticking boxes, whether that's a conscious thing or a subconscious thing, you know, it's just, that's how it just ends up happening because they're not really sure what to do. So they just kind of go, well, I think this was good enough. Tick, done, done. And that just doesn't create the outcome. So you're spending all this time and all these resources doing something and you're not really probably doing it justice. So capability, big one if you listen to this podcast you're probably already on board with it but it's one of those things that sometimes we can be so caught up in our day-to-day we just sometimes don't take that time to sharpen the axes you know we quite often talk about on this we're just too busy chopping down the tree with a blunt one so get your people those those skills that they need and they're going to do a much better job
1: absolutely yes If you're loving what you're hearing on our podcast, you should join us for one of our live events where we cover how you can build a more innovative and impactful organisation. We also have our very popular Co-Design for Impact Masterclass where I'll teach you how to run your own co-design projects and how to set them up for success. Spots are limited, so grab your ticket to this and our other events at impactoconsulting.com.au slash events. Next of all, do you recognize and reward innovative ideas? So I think that one's a big one as well, because if you're not encouraging that and and recognition and reward can be in a whole multitude of different formats, but if you're not promoting it within the organization, you're not talking about it, you're not highlighting what works and and what's good, then people will very quickly sort of turn off and get that sort of underlying message that it's just not important and they'll focus on other things.
0: Yeah. It's really easy in an environment where people feel it's under-resourced and that you're always kind of busy just to be head down, bum up, focusing on the status quo. That's what we see often in this space And the organizations that are innovative, what they're able to do is go, look, that stuff's really important, but we also want to spend a little bit of time, you know, every whatever period, every month or week or whatever, innovating. And then this is what's come out of those innovations. And this is what's come out of those longer term type initiatives. And yeah, like Tracy just said, it is about making sure that those initiatives have actually been put out there so that people understand that things are happening around the organization in that space.
1: Absolutely, it, it just lets people know what's really valued and valuable and it inspires people to be thinking about what's next. You know, it can become a lot more fun and a lot more interesting and exciting if you can start to see that there might be something that's happening at the moment that's a bit challenging that's a bit difficult but if you can see that new things are coming up on the horizon and those new exciting ideas are recognized and rewarded across the organization it really does have people feel confident to keep pushing through some of those difficult times.
0: Absolutely. The next one is all about, is it possible for your people to make changes to your services or systems if it will create a better outcome?
1: Yeah, this one's an interesting one, isn't it? We see this quite a bit where people are looking for that to occur and sometimes also not allowing it to occur at the same time.
0: It's one of those things that if you'd ask A lot of senior people in an organization, can people do this? They'll quite often say yes. But when you actually go in there and speak to the people like in the more sort of frontline roles that they will say no. And it's because often those leaders believe there are pathways, but in operation, they don't quite work the way that they think that they do or they're not quite as accessible we've also seen lots of organizations where people feel like well I've submitted a lot of things before in the past and there's nothing gets changed because you know we don't can't afford it or whatever when organizations do this really well what they're able to do is give people a really clear roadmap and show to them that's a great thing and we will put it on the list but at the moment these are our top opportunities that we want to address and this is why we're going after these ones this is our roadmap in order to be able to get these implemented you don't want to have a situation where people can't change things. It's not good and it could be that you don't have a process to change things, but it might also be that you also have people that are just so busy that they don't even have the opportunity to raise that there's an issue.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes the workarounds that people develop to, you know, get through a difficult situation then become processes and then become just what everybody does and rather than actually you know fixing that issue we just add workarounds to workarounds to workarounds and by the time we actually have a look at the system that we've got in place it's like frankenstein it's just had bits added on to it and it's actually quite clunky and difficult to maneuver but it's just sort of evolved that way and no one really has the time to sort of sit down and look at it and say well why do we take five steps why don't we just take that one step and sometimes there's a little bit of urban myth surrounding that one step too we've certainly seen that happen before like oh no you know you're not allowed to do this or you know the standards say that you have to do this or under this legislation you've got to do this and and sometimes they're not necessarily accurate It's just that people sort of have these ideas and it just becomes embellished and people get trained by other people who didn't necessarily know how it's supposed to work and then after a while it becomes a bit like Frankenstein's baby.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right, last one. Do you have a toolkit that people can use to make innovation easy?
1: Yeah, it's such a good one, isn't it? Lots and lots of things that make all of these processes easier and quicker and it's about actually developing that toolkit together so that you can actually get the benefits of those.
0: Yeah. So what we're talking about when we talk about a toolkit is that, you know, you might put people through training, you might have processes of how people can change things and make things better, but do you have a couple of places that are centralized that people can access all of this in one spot so that it makes it easy for them? Because again, we've seen organizations that have invested in a lot of the things we mentioned in the previous four questions. But then it's all quite disjointed. And so the experience for the people working in the organization is not one that's easy. This is why we have this question here, because the best organizations, what they do is they do have these training opportunities. They do have these methodologies already sort of set up and out there. They do have the budget and all that, but they have these centralized places that people can go to and go, oh, I want to learn something. Oh, here's all the training opportunities. Oh, actually, you know, I did that training. Now I'm about to run a project. Here's all the worksheets that are associated with that. I want to submit a problem that I want people to work on because I've been working around this thing and it's getting really bad outcomes for our clients. Here's how I do that. When that's all really clear for people, you're going to have a much higher uptake in them being, you know, innovative and changing things for the better for your clients.
1: Yeah, and that looks different in different roles as well. So being able to adapt some of those tools and some of those methodologies that are in that toolkit To be, you know, suitable for different people in different roles with different sort of workplace requirements is important as well. With Starlight, for example, they have their frontline workers who are out in the hospitals. Their sort of innovation process doesn't quite look the same as some of the people who are, you know, working in those more office type roles where, you know, they've got easy access to a laptop and things like that. So it also needs to be set up so that it works well for the organization.
0: Yeah, that's so true. All right, well, I think that's it. We've covered the five different questions that we've been asking people that they have been finding a little bit across the sector that is an area of opportunity. And we're hoping today that that's uh, given a little bit more context around that and maybe also a few ideas on what you can do in your organization to really empower your people. Like we mentioned at the start of this episode, there are four different areas. And this particular one around empowered people is really about giving people those resources so that they can make change. It's all well and good to have like a really strong mission that you've got your people around. You've got great leaders out there who are enabling creativity. You might also really understand what the people that you support need from you. But if you don't have those tools and those resources for people to be able to actually implement this stuff, then you're probably not going to get the return on the investment of all that other great work that you've already done. So make sure you are out there empowering your people you know, we've seen this across lots of different not-for-profits and social enterprise. So it doesn't necessarily cost an arm and a leg. There are really clever ways that you can do all of those five things that we mentioned before in a way that is really cost effective. And again, it's going to get you a great return on your investment there. So thanks for joining us. Hopefully you found that helpful. We'll put a couple of links in the show notes here. We'll put the innovation budget episode that Tracy mentioned at the start. And we'll also put a link to our self-assessment too. We'd love it if you'd also love to go in there and and have a bit of a, a play and see what your organization comes out at. Yeah, we'll put all those links in the show notes for you. So thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you all on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.